We present The Mistake of the Machine, adapted by John Scotney, with Andrew Sachs as Father Brown. Hey, what? What in tarnation? Where's my flashlight? Hey, ah! who, who's there? Hey, you, come here, you, come here. Not, stop, stop. No, no, leave me. Leave me, please. Ah, oh, why? Now, come here now. I got a gun. I don't mind using it. No, don't shoot me. I didn't. Oh, Jesus. Uh, oh, well, well, I just wonder where you're running from, friend. At this time of night, too. That, that's it. Now, slowly does it. Into the light of my flashlight here. Let's have a look at you. Look, don't. Don't. Keep your hands high. See, you sure are one very unlucky Irishman to run into me this time of night. Who the devil are you? The name's Greywood Usher. I'm governor of the jail here. <laughs> and I guess I got a pretty fair idea who the devil you are, stranger. Come on now, this way. And I strongly advise you don't try anything funny. Help yourself to sugar, John. Oh, thank you, yes. Do you know, this is the first proper cup of tea <clears throat> I've had since I arrived in America. Ah. Mm. <laughs> well. Well, it's good to see you again, old friend. Tell me, how does the life of a prison chaplain suit you? Well, not so bad, John. Not so bad. Apart from the difficulty in getting hold of decent tea. <laughs> <laughs> yes, on the governor's theories. The governor's theories? How do you mean? Oh, he's a decent enough body, sure enough. A fellow named of Greywood Usher. But he's all these ideas about the application of scientific method to the detection and prevention of crime. Oh. Yes. And the gadgets, huh? Gadgets. Yes. See, he's got this place full of gadgets, all designed to demonstrate these theories of his. I can tell you, they make the good St. Thomas's ontological proof of God's existence seem simple. <laughs> yes, good old Aquinas. <laughs> uh, I wonder how many times at the seminary we sat up half the night arguing about him. Yes. And setting the world and Mother Church to rights. Oh, they were grand days. Grand days. Mm. Mm. That they were. How on earth did you know I was in Chicago, Jim? I read it in the pink press. The pink... The terrible so-called society papers they have here. The famous father, John Brown, is visiting our city. Oh, really? Yes, and I thought to myself, can that be the little stubby English fella <laughs> I knew all those years ago when we were both studying for the priesthood? Dear, oh dear, all this fuss, it's <laughs> terribly embarrassing. Not to worry. You've been eclipsed by another visitor from over the water. Come to grace our fair city, as they say here. Oh, see for yourself. Good heavens. The newspaper really is pink. Huh. <clears throat> Last trick, Todd. Last trick, Todd, society's brightest widower, is once again on the freak dinner stunt. Freak Hmm. This time it's a slum evening. What on earth is all this about? It's a needed idea. They all go about in fancy dress. Last time they had to dress up as babies or nurses. I saw them myself. His house, uh, Pilgrim's Pond, he calls it. It's just down the road from here. Hmm. Now, this time it's a slum dinner. They all have to go as tramps, down and outs and so forth. Oh, good heavens. Yeah, but that wasn't the part I meant. Here, look. 
Listen to this. Tonight, the hospitable Todd entertains Lord Falconroy, a true-blooded British aristocrat fresh from England's oak grove. Oh, say, how can they use that? <laughs> Read the rest of it yourself. <laughs> you see, Lord Falconroy is said to have been in the States in his youth. Fashion rumours a maybe reason for his return. Fashion rumours a maybe reason for his return in the person of last trick's only child, Miss Etta Todd, who comes into a fortune of twelve million dollars. Yes, and they call themselves Republicans. And what do you make of it, John? I think the journalist who wrote it should be put on a charge of murder. What? For murdering the English language. Oh, come in, please. Father O'Connor. Oh, uh, oh, oh, Governor. Uh, I didn't know you had company. Come yes, come in. Uh, we were just uh, talking about it, so we were, weren't oh. we? Uh, uh, sit down. Uh, ah, thank you. Thank you. Uh, <coughs> Governor, this is an old friend of mine from England, Father Brown. Ah, Father. Say, uh, are you the Father Brown, the noted criminologist? Well, I don't know, am I? Well, didn't I read about you? In oh, the... In, in the pink newspapers. Oh, dear, yes, I rather fear you may have done. Oh, Father Brown, <laughs> let me shake you by the hand. Oh, oh it's... Uh, yeah. uh, Usher's the name, how Greywood how... Usher. Oh, it's an honor to have you in my jail. Thank you. Thank uh, you. Uh, if you can spare the time, I'd sure like to discuss a few matters of mutual interest mm. with you. But uh, but right now, i got some pretty urgent business with Father O'Connor here. Now... Father, hmm? this is important. In your visits to the Sequa convict settlement, did you ever come across one Oscar Ryan? Now, you must know him. He's an Irish Catholic. Oscar Ryan? Yes. No? What? I don't think so. <sighs> Oscar Ryan? Yeah. Well, it does sound... Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, sorry, no. <sighs> now, that is a pity. Uh, I was hoping you might be able to identify him. But after all, he is a Catholic. You sure you don't know him? Well, I'm sure I've come across the name somewhere, though. Why, you sure have. It's right there in that newspaper you got in your hand. There, you see. Convict escapes from Sequa. Uh, that's a convict settlement, Father Brown, about 30 miles from here. Now, I see. Apparently, this fella, Oscar Ryan, overpowered the warder on the north wall and took his gun and jumped down. They only had one guy on patrol on account of it's so steep and dangerous there. Didn't they find a note or something? But they sure did. Uh, here, it's in the paper. The warder was found bound and gagged. Beside him was a note reading, I've taken the gun, but will use it only for self-defense. I mean no harm to any man but one. I'm keeping the bullet for Pilgrim's Pond. Pilgrim's Pond, Jim? Isn't that where the... Yes, it is. Mm. Anyway, boys, have I got news for you? <laughs> Jack Hill, he's the governor of secrecy. <laughs> he's sure going to eat dirt when he hears what I got to tell him. <laughs> he sure is. <laughs> and what's that, Mr. Usher? Why, don't you see? I got him. I got him. I got Oscar Ryan in cell 25. I got the guy that bust out of his jail. Locked up safe in mine. <laughs> I was out walking. I like to walk in the evening. Gives me time to think. That's when I get my best ideas. Anyway, I saw this figure. Reckon I know an escaped convict when I see one uh, after all these years. How, Governor? Why, the, the obviously stolen, rough, ill-fitting clothes. The, the furtive, frightened manner when I turned my flashlight on him. It becomes second nature. You should know that. Didn't recognize him when I first saw him, though. Then I realized it had to be Ryan. Why? Well, first there was the Irish accent. Ryan is Irish. 
But there are plenty of Irish in these parts, Governor. I'm glad it wasn't me you saw. Ah, but he was also in the environs of Pilgrim's Pond. It wasn't a quarter of a mile behind him. And that's the place Ryan said he was making for in his note. And what about the gun? Uh, the gun? But yes. Didn't he also say in the note that he was keeping a bullet for Pilgrim's Pond? I'm sure a bullet isn't half so useful without a gun. Well, we found no gun on him. Uh, luckily for me, I reckon, he must have got rid of it for some reason. Or perhaps it had fulfilled its purpose. Well, I don't know. Well, say, <clears throat> uh, I better go and tell old man Todd the heat's off. Uh, you gentlemen feel like strolling over to Pilgrim's Pond with me? I I'm afraid I have things to do, Governor. Oh, uh, Father Brown, I greatly appreciate your company and conversation. Well, yes, I'd like a breath of air. I find prison slightly um, enclosed. As I said, Father Brown, uh, Ayrton Todd is quite character. <laughs> He's one of those millionaires who rose on stepping stones. Oh, yes, of our dead selves to higher things, perhaps. Uh, yes, yes, uh, that's it. You know... You English don't do justice to the climbing and aspiring power of our more remarkable citizens. Oh? Yeah. Now, you see a good-looking, gray-haired man in evening dress, and you don't realize that ten years ago he might have been in a tenement or in jail. Todd's like that. He made his pile pretty fast with the, the automobile craze. Ten years ago, he was nothing. You see, I looked him up in our records, uh, I'm proud of our record system. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I invented it myself. Oh. Yes, <laughs> and I got the jackpot. Seems his little daughter, Etta, had a childhood sweetheart, uh, an Irish laborer. And when old man Todd got rich, he threw this Irish fella out on his ear. Now, you know what his name was? Uh, no, no, I can't say that I do. Ryan O'Shea. Remind you of anything, Ryan O'Shea? Well, it sounds rather like Oscar Ryan reverse. <laughs> Father Brown, I can see your reputation's deserved. Now it all makes sense, you see. O'Shea, or Ryan, goes to the bad. He's jailed for five years. In jail, he reads all about this English lord and his little Etta, his childhood sweetheart. See. Uh, anyway, here, here we are. This is Pilgrim's Pond. Uh, I'll ring the bell. Now, he gets all riled up and decides to bust out of jail so's to gun for Ayrton Todd, who he believes has ruined his life. I see. It's old. Good evening, sir. That it is. Yes. Uh, <clears throat> I'm Governor Usher from the penitentiary. Uh, I'd like to speak to Mr. Todd. I'm afraid Mr. Todd is out, sir. Out? Uh, I thought he was having a party. One of the guests has gone missing, sir. Lord Falconroy. Mr. Todd and the other guests are out trying to find him. Well, I'll be, uh, Lord Falconroy. Uh, is Miss Etta about? I believe I saw Miss Etta and a companion getting into her motor car. Ah, it seems you have just missed her. Oh, I expect she's helping in the search. No doubt, sir. Well, uh, when Mr. Todd gets back, uh, you just tell him not to worry, because I've caught Oscar Ryan. That, that's me personally, Governor Usher. I will convey that message to him, Mr. Usher. Hmm. <sighs> what a fool I've been, Father Brown. Oh, surely not, Mr. Usher. I stupidly thought it was Todd that Ryan was gunning for, and I was wrong. Ah. No, nope. Ryan was after his rival, Milord Falconroy, and he got him. 
The English Lord Falconroy, who he learned, was sweet on his little Etta Todd. That's why he threw the gun away. He'd slain his rival. Oh. Uh, it was a crime of jealousy. A, a, a crime passionale. After he'd shot Falconroy, he'd no further use for the gun and threw the body in the pond, uh, Pilgrim's Pond itself. It's a pretty deep pond, that is. It is? Yes, it is. Never mind. Uh, I got a trick or two up my sleeve still, Reverend. Let's get back. Uh, there's one or two things I'd like to show you at the pen. Might well interest a famous criminologist like yourself. Did you ever see a psychometric detector put into practice? A what? <laughs> it's a pulsometer strapped to a man's wrist. Uh, it measures the heartbeats. Good heavens, why? Well, the variations in pulse rate tell me if he's lying. What? How? <laughs> I reckon you English don't cotton to the march of science in these matters. I intend using the machine on Oscar Ryan, and in my opinion, the machine can't lie. No machine can lie, Mr. Usher, nor can it tell the truth. But um, how does your machine work? Well, I, I simply read a list of words to the subject and ask him in each case to reply with the first word that comes into his head. The machine records variations in his pulse. Now, the trick is to introduce some word connected with something quite different, yet in a list in which it occurs quite naturally. Oh, I see. Well, I think I do. If he's agitated by the word, his pulse will jump? I'll prove to you it works. Now, here's Ryan's cell. Uh, I posted a warder outside. I thought your system made that unnecessary. Well, uh, this is a, a special case. McGurk, uh, how's the prisoner been behaving? Uh, not too badly, sir. He seems a bit resentful. <laughs> he keeps on demanding to make a telephone call. <laughs> a telephone call? Well, open up, will you? Come on, Ryan. Come on out, you come. There's the governor to see you. All right. Look, I can't stick this much more. If you want to know all about... Address the governor, sir. Oh, very well. Sir! Sir! Yeah, Hippus, will you look at that? It's Ryan Doyle! Quiet, you! you I said quiet! Look at him, Hippus! I said quiet, quiet! No more. You'll be in trouble. You were saying, Ryan? Nothing. What do you want to do with me? Just a few simple tests. This way. Now, Ryan, uh, I'm going to say some words to you. And I want you to reply with the first thing that comes into your head. Very well. Right. Bird. Brain. Oh. Robin. Good fellow. Owl. Uh, Waverly Pen. What? No, it's, it's an advertisement on the railway. Uh, they come as a boon and a blessing to men, the Pickwick, the Owl, and the Waverly Pen. Oh. Wren. Jenny. Falcon. What did you say? Falcon, I said, Mr. Ryan. Falcon. As in falconery. Uh, falconer. Canary. Yellow. All right. That'll do. And uh, my telephone call. McGurk. Sir. Take the prisoner to a telephone. Yes, sir. Oh, and uh, uh, McGurk, give me your notepad. Oh, yes. Here it is. All right. Now, look this up in the files and call me. Ah, uh, uh, yes, uh, yeah, I understand. Uh, come this way, you. Uh. 
Well, Father Brown, you saw the way that needle jumped when I mentioned Falcon. <laughs> and boy, did you see how it bounded when I began to make an R afterwards, like in Falcon Roy, the man he just killed. I reckon that's a sight more conclusive than a whole lot of gabble from unreliable human witnesses. Well, yes, yes, that's just the trouble. Human beings are so unreliable. Your reliable machine has to be worked by an unreliable machine. What unreliable machine? I mean man, the most unreliable machine I know of. But do you mean that no, I... No, 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 I don't want to be ruled. And I don't think you will consider man to be an offensive or inaccurate description of yourself. Um, you observed his manner, the man you call Ryan, but um, who is to say he did not observe yours? What do you mean? But if you could tell by his manner that the word that might send him to the electrical chair had come, why shouldn't he be able to tell from your manner that you were about to speak that word? I was cool as a cucumber. Oh, yes. Well, criminals can be as cool as cucumbers, too. Though not, I think, this one. Yes, I I'm sure you're fundamentally right. He was frightened of something. Well, I'm mightily glad to hear you agree with me about something, Father Brown. Oh, that uh, must be uh, McGurk. Yes, McGurk? Ah, good, good. That's fine. Mighty fine. We'll be right over. Uh, <laughs> I asked McGurk to check the files on Drugger Doyle. Uh, you recall the name the other prisoner called out oh, when he saw Ryan? Yes, yes, Drugger Doyle. It seemed to produce a sort of reticence in him. Yeah, well, it seems like McGurk's found something. Doyle... William Michael, hmm. origin unknown, query Ireland. Not there, you see. Hmm. Nickname Drugger Doyle. Yes, why was that, Mr. McGurk? Well, it seems it was to do with his modus operandi, Father. Mm -hmm. Apparently, he was a handsome, well-bred seaman book. Well, that fits our man, anyhow. Oh, that it does, sir. He used to make himself agreeable to barmaids and shop girls, that sort of poor, silly creature, and trick them out of their money. Oh, he was a species of grafter. Sometimes, though. He went a great deal farther, and they were found drugged with cigarettes or chocolates, and all their property, everything they had, was missing. Uh, hence the nickname. Ah, yes, sir. By then, though, he'd moved on to a bigger game. The spoiled daughters of the rich. <laughs> you know the sort. Rich little darlings whose parents can't refuse them anything. Uh, and Dirk, I'll have none of your socialism here. Oh, sorry, sir, sorry. Mm. Anyhow... He was sent down several times, never got too long a sentence. Then one day, he overdid the dose. One of his victims was found dead, and Doyle disappeared from Chicago. What a mean, depraved creature this Doyle sounds. Sure does, Father. Well, with this against him, he'll be lucky to escape the chair. Even if we don't find Falcon... Sir, Robert sir, Bob. sir, mm. it says here that a character answering Doyle's description later turned up in New York suspected of defrauding a wealthy widow out of it over a million dollars. Huh. Then he disappeared. Uh, that was 1908, sir. Five years ago, just about the time Ryan was put away. <laughs> I reckon my machine and my record system have just about done for Ryan. Ryan equals Doyle equals the electric hot seat. Mm, what your methods have done for Mr. Ryan, whoever he may be... What? ...is save him from the electric chair. Uh, Mr. Usher, you've proved that Drugger Doyle, the wanted murderer, couldn't possibly be your Mr. Ryan. Well, how do you mean, Father? Why, bless us all, because Oscar Ryan is unlikely to be guilty of all these mean, cowardly acts. 
Uh, Mr. McGurk here tells us that uh, Drugger Doyle spent years wheedling small sums out of needy young girls. Oh, oh that's mm, right, sir. Yes. And that he drugged and cheated and lied? Uh, yes, yes. Now, is that the kind of man who would dare to attack an armed warder, though unarmed himself? Well, I... Uh, would he leap down from a high wall at considerable risk to his but, life? But, would but, a man whose whole life is deception and lies leave a note to the police telling them where to look for him? You mean the message about Pilgrim's Pond? Yes, yes. Doyle would only have said he was going to Pilgrim's Pond if he had no intention of going near the place. <laughs> Saints alive, the two men's characters are utterly different. Dragger Doyle would never risk his life and his freedom to carry out an act of vengeance. So the man I've got isn't Dragger Doyle? Uh, no. no. That's not what I said. I said Oscar Ryan isn't your man. Well, then what... It... Saving your cloth, Father, what in hell do you mean? You remember, your prisoner made a telephone call, and unless I'm very much mistaken, he's already got his response. Who, who is it? Uh, come in. It's only me, Governor. <laughs> Father O'Connor, I'm extremely busy. Well, now, I'm truly sorry, Governor, but I've someone here who insists on seeing you. Yes, I do. Now, see here, Don't you, you talk to Governor Russia like that. <laughs> Father O'Connor, I fully appreciate that as a priest, it is your duty to tend to tramps and hobos or whatever kind of down-and-out this fella is, but... Are you, Usher, the idiot that came to my house? What? See here, Usher. You leave go of my guest... Keep him here for a split instant longer, and you'll feel pretty mean. I reckon I'm not a man with no pull. Who is this hobo? It, is the cosmos cracked or something? Now, see here, Usher. I won't... Who the hell are you, you bum? The gentleman's name is Mr. Todd. Mr. Ireton Todd. I fear you don't read the society papers properly, Mr. Usher. Remember, there's been a, a slum dinner at Pilgrim's Pond tonight, and one of the guests disappeared. Mr. Todd is a good host. He's come to collect his guest without even pausing to take off his slum fancy dress, hmm? Oh, uh, wait a minute. Uh, what guest do you mean? Why, Lord Falconroy, of course. Didn't my butler tell you? Lord, Lord Falconroy? Yes. Uh, Mr. Todd, uh, I apologize that I didn't recognize you, but hmm. uh, uh, I've got to tell you that I'm sorry to say that your guest, uh, Lord Falconroy, uh, is dead. Dead? Hmm. The man's mad. See here, you. Lord Falconroy telephoned me not ten minutes ago. I think, Mr. Usher, that Lord Falconroy is not dead. I think I understand you, John. He is, in fact, gentlemen, in cell number 25. <sighs> Thank you. Someone's making sense at last. Cell 25. I'll go and collect him uh, myself. Hold, hold, hold on there. Are, are you saying that the man in rags I caught... Was Lord Falconroy? That's right. Dressed in his fancy dress costume for the slum dinner. <laughs> you said your machine couldn't make a mistake, and in one sense it didn't. But the other machine did. The machine that worked it. You assumed that the man in rags jumped at the name of Lord Falconroy because he was Lord Falconroy's murderer. <laughs> he jumped at the name because he himself was Lord Falconroy. Then why the blazes didn't he say so? Well, perhaps he felt his flight and panic were hardly uh, patrician. Yes, yes, perhaps in his terror he was glad to escape from the avenging arm of Oscar Ryan into the comparative security of a prison cell. I, I suspect... He was just going to tell you who he really was uh, when that fellow in the, in the other cell opposite saw him and found another name for him. You, you mean you... you uh, now, wait here. Uh, the man I caught 
really is Drugger Doyle? Lord Falconroy is Drugger Doyle? It seems a strong possibility. Yes, I think it is probable that Lord Falconroy and Drugger Doyle are one and the same. Oh, I've no idea what you lunatics are talking about. But I demand that you release my guest immediately. No, Mr. Todd, I, I will not release Lord Falconroy. Oh. I'm holding him pending investigation of a murder that occurred in... Uh, uh, you got the file there, McGurk? Yes, sir, here. Uh, here. Thank you. In, uh, in uh, 1905, in the state of Illinois, under his then alias of Drugger Doyle. You'll answer to this, Usher. I'm quite prepared to do that, Mr. Todd. Uh, Mr. Todd, have you informed the police that your daughter is missing? Uh, how the hell did... No, sir, I have not. My daughter is a very independent young lady. She frequently goes off without telling me. She can look after herself. She'll be back tomorrow. I see. And were any of the guests at your slum dinner dressed as convicts, may I ask? Yes. It was my daughter's show. She had quite a few of her friends dressed like that. Look, I, I, I've had enough of this nonsense. I'll be round to see Falconroy in the morning with my lawyers. Good night. Hmm. Well, I shall, um... I shall be quite surprised tomorrow if the pink papers don't report something like um, astounding elopement of escaped convict with heiress, her childhood sweetheart. Well, I'll be. I guess Etta arranged this whole freak dinner just to cover her getaway with Ryan. But, uh, why did Ryan want to kill Falconroy? Well, it's all in the foil, sir. It seems before Todd got rich... Etta was one of the poor girls that Doyle deceived. And when Etta told Ryan who Falconroy was, he decided to combine avenging her with their elopement. Why didn't he kill him, John? Oh, I imagine Falconroy fled when Ryan threatened him, and the lovers weren't prepared to jeopardise their plans to elope by pursuing him. Huh? Love mattered more to them than hatred, it would seem. That is something. <laughs> Imagine Lord High Falconroy being a fake. Oh, oh, he's no fake. What? No, he's a perfectly genuine peer of the realm. <laughs> Mr. Usher, you don't do justice to the, uh, what was it, a climbing power of our more remarkable citizens. You see a good-looking grey-haired man with a title, and you don't realise that ten years ago he might have been uh, in jail. In The Mistake of the Machine by G.K. Chesterton, the part of Father Brown was played by Andrew Sachs, O'Connor by T.P. McKenna, McGurk by Billy Boyle, Usher by Don Fellows, The Prisoner by Brian Haynes, Todd by Ed Bishop, The Butler by Manning Wilson, and The Convict by Stuart Organ. The Mistake of the Machine was adapted by John Scotney, and the director from Bristol was Alec Reed. Mm -hmm.